This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good nerve of Shabbos and a good nerve of Purim. Today is the eighth day of the month of Adar, the second Adar. And please, God, before next Friday, next Wednesday night and Thursday, there will be that very beautiful, wonderful, exciting Yontif called Purim. And for many people, they think, oh, if Purim comes, can Pesach be far behind? Oy vey. But the truth is that Purim is such an incredibly, incredibly powerful day, important day, and day of potential transformation for all of us and for the world that it needs to be prepared for and savored. Every minute of Purim has power that we want to access. Every minute of Purim can offer us what it offered the Jewish people in Shushan thousands of years ago. What is it about Purim? What is the essence of Purim? At the Megillah, at the end of the Megillah, there's a very operative word in a passage And it speaks there about what happened after the wonderful miracle. And it says, The days upon which the Jews were relieved of their enemies and the month which had been transformed for them from one of sorrow to joy, from mourning to festivity, to make them days of feasting, rejoicing, sending food portions one to another, and giving gifts to the poor. So from a situation of terror, a situation of oppression, of fear, a situation that was so rough and so scary and so negative and so painful, things didn't just neutralize. Things didn't just kind of the Taurus went away. But from the very difficulty, suddenly there was light and joy. There was honor. There was this incredible, incredible transformation. It's called v'nahapoichu. Not just cancel the problem, but take that very problem and turn it into Oira Vesimcha Vesasim Vikar, how can that be? That the darkness itself becomes light, joy, rejoicing, and honor. We all have things in our lives that are painful, rough, difficult, scary, negative. Some people have very big things. Some people have terrible things, God forbid. And when those things happen, we try. But sometimes we may think that we can't change them. We don't dare to think that we can transform them from dark to light. We're happy if they just calm down, don't bother us so much, remain dormant if we can live with them as long as we can kind of get on with life. The problem doesn't overtake us. 
It's not too prominent. It's not too prevalent. It doesn't stare us in the face. But imagine if we could have this incredible transformation, from sorrow to joy, from mourning to festivity to a yontif. Wow. That then becomes one of the most important things that not only happened then, but as it says in Megillah, the Hayomim Ho'ele Nizkorim Vena'asim. Simple meaning, and these days are remembered and reenacted or commemorated and celebrated. But the Rebbe points out that when we properly remember them, we can bring into action, into being, into reality, the very same situation of transformation that existed then. Extremes. Extreme darkness to extreme light. Wow. If only we could. So how? Let's look into the Megillah. Let's look into some of the operative words and how we can access that vinahapoichu, taking the very darkness and turning it into light. That's what happened then. Things changed so much that from this terrible decree hanging over their heads, once the decree was not just annulled because they had to fight back, and there was an entire year of prayer, of teshuva, an, impro- an entire year of the people examining who they were, and not one Jew opted out. Because the word for Jew in the Megillah is Yehudim. Mordechai ha-Yehudi. What is a Yehudi? Yehudi is from the word Yehuda. Judah. Yehuda. He was the fourth son of the matriarch Leah. And she praised God. Hapam oides Hashem. This time. I thank God. I praise God. I am humbled by God. I acknowledge God. For he has given me more than my portion. How many of us are able to stand up and be Yehudim? To acknowledge God, to thank God, to praise God, and to realize that he's given us more than our portion. We are so privileged. We have the privilege of bringing light to the world, of bringing joy to the world. We have the privilege of being a symbol that there is a God in this world. We are called Benot Zion, the daughters of Zion. What is the word Zion? Zion is a sign. Zion is a marker. The Jewish nation are entrusted by Hashem to constantly be a living reminder that there is a God in this world. We have the privilege, through the way that we perform mitzvahs, mitzvahs that aren't complicated, a mezuzah on the door 
is a symbol that there's a God in this world. Tefillin, tzitzis, a Shabbos candle. These are symbols that there is a God who loves, a God who protects, a God who's connected and yearns for our connection. We'll hear more about that after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Zohar. Erev Shabbos of the Shabbos before Purim. The Shabbos when we need to remember. We need to remember who we are. We need to remember and rebalance and reaccess our incredible light, joy, rejoicing, and honor. The only way that this truly happens is when we do something. What happened in the Megillah? What did the Jewish people do? It says that, Kimu v'kiblu, the Jewish people established and accepted. This is after the miracle. What happened there? And during that year, what was going on? You see, when God gave us the Torah at Sinai, before giving it to us, there were a series of interactions And we also have this incredible teaching that we were actually forced to accept the Torah. After everything that had happened, our sages tell us that God actually held the mountain over our heads like a vat, like a bowl. And he said, if you accept the Torah, fine. If not, that's the end of you. This is where you remain. This will be your burial place. Pretty harsh. Sometimes parents have to force their child to take medicine. Sometimes parents have to be strict. In our times, parents need to access that parental responsibility a whole lot more. Your children will thank you for it. Reminds me of the story of the woman who came to the Rebbe and she says, hurts her when she has to punish her children. And the Rebbe said, it might hurt you now, but rather than cry a lot later, discipline them now. Nobody's saying to do it with anger. Nobody's saying to do it without thinking. But there are times when you understand more and you know that if this doesn't happen, then God forbid the results will not be good. Anyhow, we were, in a sense, coerced into accepting the Torah at Sinai. But in the days of Ahasuerus, in the days of Purim, it is written, the Jews established and accepted. In other words, finally, hundreds of years later, in the days of Ahasuerus, the Jews accepted or they established or they concretized, they finally internalized what they had accepted at Sinai. You see, at Sinai, 
There were so many miracles. And the Jews were consumed with fire, with love, with awe. And therefore, that sort of acceptance during that intense condition couldn't be counted as true commitment. But in the days of Purim, when despite the godless environment of that time, when despite everything that was happening around them, they opted for, they were resolved to, and they did keep the Torah. Every detail of every mitzvah was kept better and better throughout that year. And when they could remain committed to Torah then, that really concretized. That's when a shift in the entire nation took place. Very often when things are wonderful and good and easy, we feel so big and proud. I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm proud to be part of this committee or this relationship. I'm proud of how my children are doing. I'm proud of how I'm doing at work. I'm proud. I'm feeling very full. But in the times when we're feeling empty, scared, small, And through that we realize this is the only way, this is the only salvation. Hashem loves us and he wants us to be connected to him. And if we're not up to it, he will stage things and he will bring it into our lives that we could make a choice. And it's always the things that we choose, that we participate in that we have a portion in that are most meaningful to us. And these days are commemorated and celebrated. And the Holy Ari tells us that when any festival is commemorated properly, when it's truly relived, you can actually access the spiritual influences that were manifest on the original festival when we really embrace and celebrate the Yontif, we actualize them every single year on a new level. So we can actually bring about transformation, connection, deeper connection. We can access the energy, the miracles of the time by properly commemorating the festival. So where does it start? How do we do this? It begins at the beginning of Adar, when we are bidden to increase in joy. Now, this is not about, you know, I'm going to go to a party and be happy. I'm going to listen to music and be happy. Deep, lasting joy. Deep, lasting commitment. Make others happy. That really brings you happiness. Make Hashem happy. That brings us lasting joy and blessing. Elevation. We become sensitized in a different way. We need so many things. But so does Hashem. He's waiting for us. And we're the only ones who have the key to Hashem's desire 
to dwell in this world. And every mitzvah that we do is like a never-ending light, like a powerful, powerful gem, something which is beyond, beyond valuable. We could never even fathom the value of a mitzvah. And remembering that to Hashem there's no such thing as this concept of time and place. So anything good we've ever done exists right now. To Hashem, all the light, all the goodness is gathered up. He keeps it. He enjoys it. He yearns for it. And soon, soon there will be enough. We don't know if one more deed on our part is going to change the entire balance of creation of the world forever and ever. So the first thing is, And joy is accessed through giving it to others. The only thing that the more you give it away, the more of it you have is happiness. But that's a big stretch. Who's it most difficult to make happy? Well, yourself, because you have to stretch and make the ones that are challenging for you happy. Your wife, your husband, your mother, your sister, your child. You have to be able to stretch past these feelings of, this is driving me crazy. They don't deserve. I've done so much. Don't they get it? When we reach out to another person, love your fellow as yourself, includes the nearest and the dearest, and they are the most difficult ones to stretch to very often, and not just to give in a way that we think we should give, but in a way that they express that they need, in what they're asking for, in what they're needing. And we need wisdom to be able to sometimes see that. It takes tremendous amount of discipline on our parts to try and bring happiness to someone else. Yes, it's giving tzedakah, giving a smile, giving our time, and stretching past, I've already done it. I've given enough. I've smiled enough. I've phoned enough. I've said enough. Never enough. In the month of Adar, that basis of serve God with joy takes on new importance. And in what sort of month did this all happen? A month that was so scary. A month that was so dark. And in our lives, when we set the tone, when we do something, despite the way that we feel, we are reenacting Purim already. Because the Jewish people, despite the fact that it wasn't easy, they were in a godless climate, all around them, that wasn't the fashion, that wasn't the society at all. But they remained true to Torah and mitzvahs to make God happy. In a sense, they had no choice. The alternative was, God forbid, annihilation. Nevertheless, it wasn't a one-time thing like at Sinai. Because Haman wrote the decree 
on Pesach the year before. And for almost a year, the Jewish people connected. The Jewish people did Torah and Mitzvahs with what's called Mesirat Nefesh, true self-sacrifice. And what was the result? Such a transformation that a year later, the redemption came. They were able to leave Persia and go back to Yerushalayim, to Eretz Yisrael. And when we realized that within four years, the Holy Temple was rebuilt, it boggles the mind. Human effort, human input transforms. God transforms, sure. He created the world out of nothingness. But now he expects us to take this world and transform it into holiness. And how do you do that? When you feel like nothingness, not in a negative way, but in a way of realizing, in a way of being humble, in a way of understanding my place in this world and to secure my place, I have to do it with the perspective that God is bringing me into being at every moment and every moment is important and he has a mission set for me at every moment that I am alive or that anyone's alive. It's an awesome festival because unlike other festivals, it's 24 hours of intensity and it covers every aspect of normal life as it were. Other festivals, we go to shul and we pray, we come home, we eat with the family, we study Torah, we rejoice, but this festival is different. This festival is meant to take us to a place of such extreme joy. It's meant to lift us up out of the ordinary to a place where we no longer, as it were, know the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. It takes us to a place so close to God where the seeming blessings and curses of this world no longer look like blessings and curses. Everything begins to look like the hand of God. Everything is the hand of God. And how do we do this? How do we celebrate this festival? This festival is celebrated with several special mitzvahs. Let's begin with this Shabbos. This Shabbos, we're going to hear the reading of remembering what Amalek did to the Jewish people on their way out of Egypt. They were making a beeline to getting the Torah. They couldn't wait to get there. They were excited. God had performed so many miracles for them. He had taken them from slavery to freedom. He was sustaining them, giving them food, shelter, water. Any one of their needs that were expressed was quickly met. It was an incredible, incredible time. And then, just before they got to Sinai, 
there was a terrible, terrible attack by a nation called Amalek. And this nation called Amalek, and Amalek was the grandfather of Haman, what did Amalek do? Amalek said, I don't care about myself as long as I can hurt them. I'll be a suicide bomber. It doesn't matter. I just want to hurt them. And that's what he did. Our sages compare it to a very boiling hot bath. And everyone's afraid to even put a toe in. That's how the Jewish people were as they marched forth from Egypt. And the power of that world, Egypt, had been decimated. And the nations trembled. And the Jews walked through a desert with clouds around them, with a fire leading them. But no soldiers, no horses, mounted police protecting them, no warriors in in great lookouts. It was just this slave nation, broken perhaps physically, almost three million people marching. And no one was afraid. Everyone was afraid to touch them. No one wanted to interfere with them. And then Amalek, like somebody who sees this boiling hot bath, and he takes a running leap, and he jumps inside, and even though he gets burnt, he's kind of cooled it off for everyone else. That was Amalek. The Jewish people had so much confidence, they were marching towards Sinai. And Amalek's numerical value is the same as Safek, doubt. When we are sure, when we know this is the right thing, we become energized, joyful. But when we're in two minds, I'm not sure. It's a whole different story. The Jewish people have to be sure. We have a Torah which is true. We are connected to Hashem, who is the creator, the constant creator of us and everything else on a constant basis. We are secure. And when we march forth to do our mission, to make this world a dwelling place for God, and we do it with joy, that confidence gives us energy, hope, and great, great strength to carry through our mission. And so, here is a festival that talks to us. It talks to us about our daily life. It talks to us about what we can do right now to bring greatness, transformation to the world forever and ever. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. We're talking Purim, and we're talking about a time that was so frightening and how it turned totally, not only to take the fear away, but transformed to tremendous, tremendous amount of joy and rejoicing and celebration to the point where fear of the Jews fell upon the citizens of the land. What is that? Not fear of the Jews, but the awe of heaven that the Jewish people experienced 
at that time infused even their non-Jewish friends, their non-Jewish neighbors, I should say, their countrymen, and inspired them to take on Judaism. Imagine being such a light that you're able to carry a message with just being there, with just behaving the way you should, that you actually don't have to speak about it. You just have to do it. And from your example, others get it. That's what we need to be for our children. That's what we need to be for God's world. That when we behave in a particular way, with a recognition, with the humility of all of heaven, which means God is in charge. He is powerful. He can do anything. He's not just in charge. He is the Melech Malchei HaMalachim HaKodesh Baruch Hu. He is the king over all kings. His glory fills the world. There is such holiness, and we are so small. But when we attach ourselves to him, not only can we become great, but we can send this message to all those who come into our space. So what's this Yontif of Purim? How do we celebrate it? Yes, the Shabbos before, we must all be in shul to hear the reading of Zachor. To understand, we've got to take that joy and concretize it. We've got to be going forward with confidence. Amalek is the opposite of confidence. In addition to that, the day before Purim, the Wednesday, we will commemorate the day of fasting and prayer that the Jews held before their victory. And that's why we fast on the day of Purim. And it's not a 24-hour fast, but it's from approximately three hours before sunrise until about 40 minutes after sunset. It's also traditional to give three what's called half-dollar coins to charity to remember, to commemorate the half-shekel that every Jew gave in the time of the Holy Temple for a census and also for to be part of the communal sacrifices for the year. Usually this mitzvah is done in the shul and should be done on the fast day, Wednesday, the day before Purim, but it can also be done on Purim Day. What about this half dollar? What do we do? Well, normally there are half dollars, three half dollars in shul, or three half proper silver coins of the the monetary denomination of a country, and we pick those up and we put down money of our own. And on Purim, we will also recite a special prayer thanking God for the miracles, the Al-Hanisim. We'll say it in the Amidah, in the evening, morning, and afternoon, and also when we eat, we'll say it in the Birkat Amazon, in the Grace After Meals. And in the morning service, there will be a special reading from a Torah scroll in the shul. But on the day of Purim, now Purim is coming in. And we relive the miraculous events of Purim by listening to the scroll of Esther. Listening to Megillat Esther twice. 
on the evening of Purim Wednesday night and again on Purim Day. And of course, whenever Haman's name is mentioned, according to Chabad, only when it's mentioned with a title, we stamp our feet, we twirl our groggers, we drown out his evil name and everything that he stands for. And we need to remember that the Amalek and the Haman also refers to aspects of our own personality that need to be modified, stamped out, refined, and stamped out. Besides hearing the Megillah twice, there's something called Mishloach Manot, gifts of foods. What do we do on Purim? Purim, we emphasize the importance of Jewish unity and Jewish friendship. And we do it by sending gifts of foods to friends. It should be made up of at least two kinds of ready-to-eat foods, like a homentash and a drink, or a fruit and a drink, to at least one friend on Purim Day, a man to a man, a woman to a woman. And we should, if possible, send it, which means send it through someone else. And little children send to their friends, but in addition to sending their own gifts of food, you know, chips and a chocolate bar, a drink and a homentash, etc., they would love to be the messengers and deliver your shalach monis. This emphasizes that this is something that is done in the ordinary, as it were, with food to a friend. We'll talk more about that in a moment. The third mitzvah is to give gifts to the needy. We should do that all year round. We should always be concerned for those who have less, whom we can help. Each and every one of us has a responsibility to be sensitive to the needs of others. There was a great Rebbe who could never go to sleep at night if there was money in the house. And one night he couldn't sleep. He said, I know there must be money in the house. He would give it all away so that others could be relieved. We need to understand it is God who gives us our money. Yes, we may work to make a vessel for blessing, but other people work and they don't get. So it's really God's blessing that makes us have Birkat Hashem Hitashir. And God's blessings are given with a condition. He says, between 10 and 20% doesn't belong to you. I'm giving you, but I'm also making you the Gizbar Staka. I'm making you the one who will dispense in my behalf. We know the story that's told in the Gemara that the evil Turnus Rufus once asked Rabbi Akiva, if God loves poor people so much, why doesn't he feed them himself? And Rabbi Akiva answered, to give us the merit, the privilege, the joy of giving. Can you imagine that a father will deprive a child of something in order to train and give the blessed privilege to another child to actually connect with and give to and sustain his brother. 
The money doesn't belong to us. It's God's money. No matter how much we work for it. And there are those who work long, long hours and don't have. Concern for the needy is a year-round responsibility for the Jew. But particularly on Purim, it's a mitzvah to remember the poor. And we need to give charity at least to two. Preferably more. More needy individuals on Purim Day. Of course, when we give now to the Chevra, to the Chevra Kadisha, they have undertaken to distribute it on the day. So that is a tremendous way for us to fulfill the mitzvah and fulfill it properly. They will give to more than two people, whatever our donation is. And children need to be trained. Everyone, each family member, must give at least one coin to at least two poor people on the day of Purim. Of course, the mitzvah is best fulfilled if you have the needy person and can give it to them. But when you can't find poor people, at least take two different tzedakah boxes, charity boxes, and put at least one coin into each. Even little children should be trained to do this. In fact, on Purim, whoever puts their hand out, we give to them. And so we hear the Megillah twice. We give food parcels to at least one friend, at least two ready-to-eat foods to one friend. We must give it to at least two poor people. Give them money. Yes, money. And finally, as on all festivals, we celebrate Purim with a festive meal. When family and friends gather together to rejoice in the Purim spirit. This is a yontif where the miracle took place in the ordinary, as it were. There weren't big armies. It wasn't like in the time of Hanukkah where there were elephants and there were spears and swords and so on and charging infantry. Nothing like that. This took place through prayer in their homes, in their shuls. This took place through improving in the mitzvahs study of Torah. This took place with gathering children together and teaching them Torah. This took place between the people and the people and the people and Hashem. And the greatest transformation took place. A transformation in this world. And so we celebrate the festival in this world with eating, with reaching out to others, with reliving the entire miracle and with including the children in everything. Purim means lottery, but it indicates to us that God directs everything, even a lottery. It's all a way that God brings us what we need. The name Esther means hidden. God's name is hidden in the Megillah. Our deeds may be hidden, but ultimately, Megillah means revelation. Our job is to reveal what is hidden. Hasidic teaching tells us that God took spirituality and turned it into physicality, for everything in this world is just God. 
and our job is to take physicality and reveal in it the spirituality, turn it back into holiness, kedusha, ruchnius, spirituality. It's total involvement. The children get dressed up. Adults get dressed up for many reasons. One reason is God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah, so we mask ourselves. The kindalach are involved. The friends are involved. The poor are involved. Everybody is included. There's literal excitement from top to bottom. The graggers are turned. It's an intense 24 hours in the world. It's not Yontif, where we can't go in the car or we don't cook. We're in the world. We do everything we always do. And we do it with food, with clothing, with friends, preparing this world to become a dwelling place for God. With great devotion and humility, we're able to see the other, nurture the other. This is a day of unity and love. This is a day to increase in goodness and kindness. And then after Purim, our joy just continues to grow and grow and grow. May we all merit the ultimate joy, the ultimate day of Oira Vesimcha Vesasa Vikar, where by doing our part just a little more, the light of Mashiach will be revealed in this world. Good Shabbos and a Freilich and Purim.